Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Every week we read the Shonen Jump chapters that are up on viz.com slash Shonen Jump, as well as something else. And we are starting Isekai Month a week late because of my illness in February. And we are starting with Overlord. I am so excited. Yeah, well, technically we started recording this for the first time in March because last week's episode were recorded in February. It was just that was the way it ended up working out. Well, I'm thankful because it means I only have to read four isekai titles this month instead of five. Yeah, that's good for you unless you happen to like some of the later ones or this one. All right, so we will start, though, with Shonen Jump. You can read all of the Shonen Jump chapters for free at Viz's website. Like I've said a couple of times, but I'm bringing it up now because if you've been on the fence about that or considering doing it, this week I think would be an excellent week to start. It was a standout week, at least that's how I feel. Yeah, for the most part, there was it wasn't that every single title was a hit out of the park, but this was definitely amazing for pretty much all of them. Yeah, and even the stories I really don't like, I feel like had better chapters than normal, even if they still went low because they're still relatively the worst. Yeah. And we will start with a brand new series, The Last Sayuki by Daijiro Nonoe, I think is how you say his name. Again, I'm not Japanese or an expert. Sure. And this guy's name is not out there with easy pronunciation guides, like, say, Odai's. Chapter 1, Whisper of the Honeybee. So what did you think of this, Kevin? This was a pretty interesting hook. I'm kind of interested to see where this story goes after this. It was kind of a surprise to just suddenly have, oh yeah, here's a new series out of the blue with basically no warning. I'm wondering if, like, they talked about it, they've got a podcast and a blog, so maybe they talked about it there, or if this literally just kind of showed up out of nowhere, like, we got the license to put this over in English, or we got somebody to finally start translating it, or what happened there? Yeah, it's one of the disadvantages of not having a weekly magazine, of these just being chapters, is we don't really get the next week, this is happening, sort of stuff. So things just kind of show up without a lot of fanfare. They do have those author comments on they uh, do. posts somewhere in their news feed. But... but they're like a pain in the butt to go through. Like I was looking at their news for some reason on Saturday this week. I was like, oh, I should read these because they're here. Yep. But they're not easy to get to unless you're digging them up. Yeah. And that's kind of a, that's why I kind of tend to avoid the news things is there's a lot of stuff that I don't care about in the news. So I tend to miss the random thing that I might actually want to read in there. So the main character of The Last Sayuki is Ryunosuke. He is in third grade. And once upon a time, his dead mom took him to a baseball game and caught a home run and told him he could do anything. Specifically, she said, if you see that what you thought was impossible is done, it means you can do it too. So Ryunosuke just really wants to play baseball. And he's finally in third grade, so he's coming home with his baseball permission slip for his not-dead dad to sign. But when he gets home, his dad is like, hey, I'm taking you out of school so you can watch this girl that's my dead friend's daughter. She's your sister now, and I have to work, so you have to take care of her. Yep. And by the way, your sister is also blind and a quadriplegic, so she is missing both her arms and her legs. Which is why you need to take care of her. Yep. I will buy you video games. No baseball for you. Yeah, that was... That was a really... Low blow of like, oh yeah, just as soon as you're going to get the dream, not even 
oh, you know, it's got to be postponed. Like, nope, no, none for you. You're pulled out of school. You have to stay here and take care of your new sister as a third grade or however old the third grader is over there. I believe they'd still be eight. Sure. So, so as an eight-year-old kid, you now have to take care of this girl, and I can't hire anyone else to do it because we're poor. Yeah. And also, she refuses to talk for some reason, even though she's not deaf or mute. So, as you can imagine, this third grader gets very resentful of this quadriplegic girl. His dad just dumps on him. Yep. And starts to hate her because he's an irrational third grader, and also he's been saddled with the responsibilities of a full adult. Yeah, well, not only was he saddled with this girl, his dream was also crushed at the same time. So he really resents her for that. So I at least understand that. Yeah. Definitely. I, it's his dad who is a huge asshole yes. in this situation. Yeah, and he also has to deal with the fact that, like, she can't go to the bathroom by herself. So now as an eight-year-old kid, he has to deal with that. Yeah. Like, wow. So anyway, one day he decides to sneak out and go to school to go to baseball practice. I think it's the last day of summer semester or something like that. Yeah. So baseball practice is long, and his friends are like, oh, my God, did you get over your uncurable death illness? Yeah, you had to be. Your dad said you had to be sent away, and he's thinking in his head like, "What lies did my dad tell them?" Yep. So anyway, while he's gone, his sister. What happens to her exactly? I can't remember, but she gets hurt, obviously, because that's how this story has to go. Does she actually get hurt? I thought it was just his dad came home first and noticed she was alone and got angry. I think something specifically happened to her. I can't remember, but anyway, he gets caught. His dad's super pissed. And throws him in a dark shed all night so that he can't see anything. Yeah. Oh, isn't it basically because she got, like, dehydrated? Oh, yeah, yeah. Heat stroke, it was heat a super, stroke or yeah, something? Yeah, it was heat stroke. Yes, it was a super hot day. Yeah. Because it was summer. Yeah, and she, and she can't stroke. take care of herself, so. Yeah. So his dad throws her in this, like, shed that's completely dark. And he starts to not go crazy, but... He starts to be convinced that there's some sort of monster in there with him. Yeah, because he starts hearing everything since he can't see. So he's hearing like the trees and stuff outside and starts imagining that there's something in there with him. So he says he like he scrambles up into a corner so that he can like feel two walls up against them to know that he's not just in the middle of blackness. Yeah. And so anyway, he screams for help and yeah, his sister... Crawls, like, drags herself somehow. I'm not really sure how she got here. Caterpillars the herself, shed. maybe? I guess that makes sense. It says drags, but she doesn't have use of her arms. So. Yeah, so she's got a caterpillar herself or something like that. And uses her head to, like, undo the latch. It wasn't just the latch. It was one of those, like, I don't know what you call them. I guess it's what you use to bar the door. So it's just that giant wood plank that sits in the two little holders to keep the door from opening. She headbutts that off the door so that he can get out. Yeah. So he carries her to bed and is, like, you know, obviously feeling regret because she helped him even though he left her alone. Well, and he also... like, antagonizing her. And he also realizes this is how she feels. She can't see anything, so how does she know that anything is real? Yeah. And, you know, she can't get out of the darkness without anyone else's help either kind of thing. So he's like, oh, I I now understand a little bit of what you're going through. Mm Mm-hmm. So in bed, he's like, hey, I've decided I'm going to hate my dad and not you, because clearly this is his fault, which is accurate. Totally fair, yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to deal with this situation and mature up as a third grader. Yep. So he tries to go to sleep, and then 
ends up getting woken up later, and he's kind of and his sister is gone. So he starts looking for her, and she's just kind of floating in the middle of the room. Yes, and he's in like, a what like, the fuck? She's got like a sparkle effect around her. Yeah, like full on magical girl, basically. Yes. And she's like, hey, it's behind you. And he's like, what? And when he turns around, the thing he was imagining in the shed with him is there. Yep. And it's this weird gibbering flesh bag of a monster. Yeah. It's not like a gelatinous cube, but it's like. No, a, it, I think it's it was something like a gibbering mass or yeah, gibbering yeah, mound. Yeah, like, like a gibbering like mound. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. like a bunch of body parts turned into sludge and are this blob. So there's like eyeballs and mouths and arms all over the place. Yeah. So. He's got his baseball bat, though, and he's like, well, I said I was going to protect you, so guess I got to deal with this. And I'm not really sure if he hits something back or if he just hits it, but... He hits one of the hands or the claws as it's reaching for him. But the motion is like he's hit something back at him home run style. So. Yeah. Anyway, he defeats the monster. Well, his dad shows up and defeats the Does monster. Does his dad... I, th- I know his dad showed up. I thought he actually... No, his dad shows up with that cool staff. Like, he he smacks the thing back, and he was like, hey, I managed to hit it. And then his dad shows up with the staff and actually destroys it. Okay. So sounds like, well, this is now I expected you to find out. So your little sister's a god. And whenever she speaks, it makes people's fears real. So, like, I brought her here so she would love you, so she wouldn't hate people, so everything would be cool. Like, well, you're still an awful person. Yes. You probably should have... I mean, I realize you shouldn't have led with that, but you definitely shouldn't have led with, I'm going to leave you alone with this girl. Just For, like, deal months? with it. Yeah, just deal with it. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And we should also say it starts out with one of those, like, flash forwards to the future, which is her, like, on a YouTube video. Yes. So... She's it's... wearing a mask, and she's in a chair. So it's pretty interesting. It's kind of easy to do first chapters as long as you have a good high concept. But this is all stuff that I have a real soft spot for, so I'm real interested in this series going forward. Yeah, like I said, this was a good hook. I'm definitely interested to see where this goes. We're definitely going to talk about it for at least the next two or three weeks, and then we're going to decide if we want to keep it in our permanent rotation or not. Because like I said, first chapters are easy. You can definitely fumble it once you try to go full series. But I like the art style in this, and... The premise is certainly very interesting. Yeah. Which leads us to our old favorite, My Hero Academia, Chapter 218, Metal Liberation Army. Wow, so this is a turn. Yeah, well, it's the start of a new story. No, yeah. So you kind of have to. I think it's really, I really liked it, but it was just kind of that. It's kind of out of nowhere. Yes. It's kind of like, it's a couple months later now. It wasn't really clear where when we were before, but. It was definitely at least. All of a sudden, it's snowing. Like that's it's how December. We know it. They say it's December now, specifically. But I'm not really sure when it was before. But it wasn't snowing then. Like yeah. so, it was at least it's been at least a couple of months because yeah. it wasn't even particularly cold. I don't think. Like everyone was wearing t-shirts around. So I figure it might not have necessarily been summer, but it might have been like September. Yeah. Or early October, maybe. It's definitely some sort of time skip because also they're like, hey, all those people in the provisionary course, it's their last day today. Yep. If they pass their test, they'll have their provisional licenses just like us. Yep. So then they're watching the news to find out about the snow, and we see this commercial. Of, I should have wrote down the name, but this company. It's like Detnarat or something, something like, like that. that. Something like that. It's like, hey, you know how we're super into the fashion for people with like forearms and people with weird quirks that require specific clothing. Well, now we're getting into the hero support item business. Yep. So get excited. 
And then we cut to the CEO of that company and him talking with his assistant. Yeah. So one of someone higher up, someone who's definitely in a odd position of power at the company, although below him. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, is this move going to be good? He's like, well, it's being ill received, but I expected that. And it's not, we have plenty of history with dealing with quirks. So I think we'll be fine. Anyway, I've been reading this cool book about this guy who showed up right when quirks started happening, who led this meta liberation army. It's got lots of old terms, like it called quirks meta powers, and that's and he, weird. Yep. And he actually says that, which is why he, I think, which is why he brings it up in the first place was he's like we've got a history of dealing with people with meta abilities and it's this is like don't you mean quirks i was like oh yeah i've been reading this book he's like his assistant's like yeah i tried to read that book but that guy seemed like an asshole and a little I insane i could never get into it and he's like oh i liked you so much too and he like hugs him it's like oh it, even if you like didn't want to join like this could have worked out And he's like what are you talking about you're hurting me sir and then he's murdered Yep. And then he puts on a mask and he's like, I am the Liberation Army dude's son, secretly. I don't think he puts on a mask. I think it's so initially he has like two moles or like birthmarks on the side of his like very big forehead. It's not ridiculously huge, but he's got like a big receding hairline. And after he kills the guy, they expand a bit farther. And then they reveal that he was the son of the Meta Liberation Army commander who had... A kind of it looked like a birthmark mask around his eyes, and he's like, "Well, now I have to go kill the League of Villains because they're ruining everything." Yep. So then we cut to some villains like attacking a town. They're like just causing mayhem. Basically, they start with like a robbery, and they're kind of arguing about how best to like get money from this. Yeah, they're getting like wallets and purses and stuff, and. Somebody says something about, like, oh, somebody should call the heroes, and oh, it'll take too long, or something like that. Yeah, and then we see a car, and there are, like, speech bubbles coming from it of, like, well, I guess it's a good thing we're here. You, like, get down. It's like, but you've only had those for, like, 30 minutes. Yep. And then it's like, well, you can't fight, so, like, what are we going to do? Wait around? How long until we can actually use them? How long? No, it was how long did you think we were gonna wait until we could actually use them? Yeah, and so Todoroki and Bakugo get out of the car and start fighting these dudes. Yep. While All Might is just like, "Well, sucks that I don't have powers anymore." Yep, it's it's legal now. I, I, they passed. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a cool reveal. Even though I kind of wish we'd seen more of of the course. Yeah, there's that one, or I guess two chapters earlier on about it, but yeah, there hasn't been much. But I do also understand why. There wasn't that much more of the course. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it's a neat thing for having for a side story, but it's not that great to like constantly be flitting back to, yeah, I mean, we know they're going to pass. Yeah. So now I hope we get like a whole Bakugo Todoroki like story arc. I don't know if it's going to go that long, but it's we'll a see. pretty cool end of the chapter of them like getting out of the car and starting to kill, or kill people, but starting to restrain villains. Yep. Which brings us to another very good chapter, The Promised Neverland, Chapter 125, Alliance of Liars. So what did you think of this, Kevin? I thought this was pretty neat. Yeah, chef's kiss is my opinion on this one. So we cut over to Norman at his meeting, rather than uh, sticking with Emma and Ray in yep. their awkward meeting, where he's like, hey, I brought you some uh, baby corpses I had lying around as a gift. 
It wasn't baby corpses. Was it not? They were demon heads. I thought they were people. No. Like, that was the that was the whole thing. They've been eating demons to maintain their intelligence. Oh, okay. I, I guess I missed that. Yeah. He gave them a bag of demon heads. He said these were from the farms that we've shut down. I, I thought they were, like, remaining human corpses. But okay, that makes sense, too. They have been killing them. Yep. And he's like, hey, I'm James Rattari. Don't Don't question it. We should make an alliance because you got a lot of people, and I don't. But you're not smart enough to kill all the heads of the demon families. But I am. He base it wasn't just that. It was you got banished 700 years ago, and clearly you haven't been able to do anything about it. And humans as a species are too weak to do anything about it. So maybe if we team up, we can finally take down the people who wronged you. And the only thing I want is to get everybody who's currently alive out. We'll even give you all of the farm facilities and the Retiri clan knowledge so that you can continue manufacturing food we just want to leave. And they're both like, okay, sweet deal. And then, like, the end is them both being like, well, I got to stab him in the back real fast before he stabs me in the back. Yep. And the demon leader being like, that's not James Retari, but whatever. He does seem like he can deliver on the promise. So yeah. I just got to kill all the demons and then eat him. He looks like he'll taste delicious. He's probably one of those three people from Grace Field who escaped. He actually already got a taste of him because there was a blood thumbprint on the contract that they yeah. signed. And it's like almost as soon as he leaves, his tongue lashes yeah. out and like spears the paper. Well, he talks about how it tastes delicious. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. V- Promise Neverland continues to be at the top of its game. Yeah, it was really sweet. So next we have Chainsaw Man Chapter 12, Squeeze. What did you think of this one, Kevin? I really liked how Denji reacted kind of in the middle of, like, how he was dealing with the fact that, so he finally got to squeeze Power's boobs, but first she was using breast pads. Yes. But then she took him out, and so he got, she said, you get three squeezes, one for saving Meowie, one for saving me. One for killing the bat demon. Yeah, one for killing the bat demon. And one for de- dealing with, what's his name? I got, I've got i got my new fancy binder that works. And one for dealing with Aki, who is the suited guy. Yep. And so he did that, and then it cuts to him being like, that dream was kind of pointless. Like, I, I thought I'd feel a lot better, but I feel hollow like I didn't earn anything from it. And I think he's talking to Maki because she's explaining to him yeah, yeah. how he has to fill out all the paperwork. Yeah. We then cut to him and Makima, and she's like, yeah, sorry, you have to do all this paperwork, but you gotta. And he's like, hey, is, like, chasing a dream better than getting it? Because, like, I fulfilled this dream recently, and I just feel hollow. And she's like, oh, what was your dream? It's like, oh, you know, like, squeezing some boobs and just... It didn't feel good. And then she goes into, like, full sexy mode, and she's just like, well, you know, I think naughty things are way better the more you know the person. Yep. And he's like, oh, what? And she's like, hey, I'm going to bite your finger. Just, like, close your eyes and... Memorize the feeling so that you know it's me biting your finger without looking. And she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I need you to kill a gun devil. Yep. And uh, if you do it, I'll grant you a wish. Wink. Yep. Awesome. Well, I, I think really... she also kisses him, right? No, she grabs his hand and makes him grab her boob while, oh, yeah, that's right. while she's biting his finger. Yep. 
and his eyes are closed. So yeah, Makima is very sexy and very manipulative, and this is what I like about Chainsaw Man, so I really like this chapter. No, this was a really solid one. Like I said, I really liked Denji being in the middle, just like, yeah, so chasing the dream was way more fun than actually getting it. Like, is the next dream that I come up with going to have just as hollow of a victory as this one did? Like, that was a really cool moment to see him being like, oh, maybe maybe chasing the dream is better than actually catching it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. So I hope Chainsaw Man continues to be this and less about that first story. Although it's fine as a first story. We need an introduction for power. Yep. But like I said, I was very up and down on that one. So next we have We Never Learned Chapter 101, The Ice Flower Dances with X at Twilight Part 2. I didn't mention this earlier, but Promise Neverland, that's how you do a title. Alliance of Liars is a great name. Chainsaw Man Squeeze is a great name. So I'm not going to say anything about We Never Learned's name this week. So we're continuing the story from last week. This is an oddly transitionary chapter for this series. Yeah. There's not even a lot of shenanigans until the end. Not really, no. It's mostly stuff about Kirisu's backstory and how she was a skater as a kid. In high school, basically, and her parents had really high expectations of her, but she kind of just wanted to be normal. Well, it wasn't just that she wanted to be normal. It's when you're that high level of a skater, you have to practice every day. So she never got to hang out with friends or do anything like that. So I think her mother said, if you miss one day, it will take you three days to catch back up. Something like that. Yeah. So, But her teacher at the time was like just very kind of happy-go-lucky and super supportive of students. And so she decided she wanted to do that, and her parents basically disowned her. Yep. But then the first student she had wanted to go into music, and she was really supportive and listened to her practice every day, but she wasn't very good, and she couldn't make it into any conservatories. Yeah, so she was like, you have a good ear. You knew, didn't you? And she kind of had that feeling of, oh, it's not just supporting your students. You can't just tell them to follow their dreams. You have to tell them to follow dreams that they can accomplish. Like, I can't just tell you, you're going to be good at music when you're not. Like, if you don't have any talent, odds are it's not going to happen. Yeah. So then we cut to Yu-Gi-Oh, who's talking to swimmer girl. Uraraka. Yeah, Uraraka. And he's like, man... If you just, like, didn't know what you were wanted to do, like, if you got really confused and you weren't sure if you wanted to swim or not anymore, what would you do? And she's like, I don't know. Go for a swim? That always, like, calms me down. Yeah, I always feel better when my body's moving like that. And so he, like, has a light bulb go off in his head, and then he starts chasing down his teacher's sister, whose name I don't have written down, because I'm not that prepared. I don't remember either. And at first she thinks he's a creepy fan. And then she's like, you're after me and my sister? And he's like, no, I just need your help, okay? Yep, because he's holding on to her. And so he was chasing her down on a bike while she was in a car. And I do love the shot of him standing over both of the girls. And she's like, okay, but as long as you agree to give up give up my sister first. Yeah. He's like, I, I am not interested oh. in your sister. Oh, that's good. So next we have Act Age, Chapter 55, Normal, because I wanted to talk about this, especially after we talked about it last week, and you were so, I don't want to say against, but confused by the premise of her having... I was was very confused. ...high school. And this is by far my favorite chapter of Act Age we've read so far. Yes. So what did you think of it? I thought it was pretty cool, 
because I had forgotten that she wasn't a normal person. I thought it was she was a normal person that got pulled into this acting thing. Okay. I forgot that because I read the first two chapters. So I'd forgotten that she didn't really have any friends, so she doesn't know how to act like a normal teen. She got picked up for her acting thing, so her producer is like, you need to learn to be normal. We're turning down all these things because you need to learn. Like, if you were forced to play a normal teen, you'd be horrible at it because you don't know what that means. So in order to act again, you're going to need to make a real friend. And he's also concerned about her like losing herself, which seems to be a big thing. In this story? Yeah, she's a method actor, so it was kind of, you got really into the character, and if you get too into the character, you'll just become that character, and you won't be you anymore. And he's like, okay, you need to develop another interest besides acting, and then you can act again. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, okay, if you can make one friend that's not an actor, I will let you act again. She's like, I can do that piece of cake. And then she's got, like, friendship for dummies. Yep. As she goes to school and she's just like super nervous, clearly, and sits way too close to them. And he's like, common interests. I like cooking. Yep. And all the d- guys are because and this is a quote, uh, you know, she's just a normal super babe. Yes. All the guys are super into her. Some just because they want to know her because she's famous and an actress and some just because she's hot. Yep. But all the girls are against her because they're like, she must be angling for one of the guys why else would she have gotten so close and start talking about how good of a cook she is? And, like, it's too sudden. Usually she's so aloof, and now she's suddenly... Yeah, now she suddenly wants to be friends. What's up with that? Yeah. So they all kind of blow her off, and she's up on the roof being a sad anime protagonist. Yep. When, I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a guy. It's a guy. But he a was guy... actually in... There's a shot of him in the classroom with her. He was, like, behind yeah, her. I, I saw that. Yeah. She, he was just, just androgynous enough. Like, I thought he was supposed to be a guy, but then... He's dressed like a guy, and they're That's at true. school, so That's true. unless he's a cross-dressing chick, which I'm, could happen, but I'm assuming it's a guy. So, I, and all the guys in this look kind of feminine anyway, so... Yeah. That's probably just where I'm getting tripped up. So anyway, he meets her on the roof, he's like, hey, do you like movies? And then they just start talking about directors. Yeah. Because she does like movies. She's like, hey, we found a common interest. Movies. I can make a friend. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, we cut over to this classroom where there are these two people. Hina, who's in her class and is one of the girls who blew her off. Yep. And she's with this guy named Ryoma who's just there playing a video game. And yep. they're just kind of hanging out. And he's like, oh, I want to make th- meet this hot actor chick. Yeah. Because at first she's like, oh, yeah, this crazy chick started doing something weird today. And he's like, oh, is she super hot? Because she's into him, I think. Yeah. And he's immediately into the super hot actor chick who he doesn't know. And so she's like, dang it. I, I'm not sure if he's actually into her like that or if it's something else, but that's definitely how she's reading it. So, yeah. Because he hasn't even seen her yet. No, but he's at least he's interested to see her because he heard that she's hot or he's yeah. like, there's no way that she's not hot. I need to see this hot chick kind of thing. Yeah. And so she's getting jealous about it. And then the two like bust in or like, hey, we heard you're filming a movie. We want to film a movie. And it turns out that they're like just slacking, but they're supposed to be the cinema club. Yep. And there's a cinema club like poster outside. Yeah. So that's where the chapter leaves off. And like I said, I like this actually quite a bit. Yeah, this was a good one. And speaking of good ones, next we have Hellward and Higuma chapter 10 absence. Hey, it's not Kitsune part three. Good yeah. job, Hellwarden. So anyway, the Kitsune's 
just kind of going on this villainous speech, trying to gain Higba's sympathy, where he's like, hey, like, I didn't love my kid. I had a kid. And I just didn't care about them. Yes. And, and I tried really hard to be a mother, and... It like, didn't work out, and the village turned on me and stoned me to death because I didn't love my kid. Like, how is that a crime, not yeah. being, not loving somebody? Yeah, which is a weird stance to take, but also, like, I did find myself weirdly sympathetic. That would be a super weird situation to be in. That is, like, a seek medical, like, a, not medical, but psychological help yeah. sort of situation. And obviously, she's old enough that that, that would not have been help, available. I, she's hundreds of years old. Yeah, that exactly. Help definitely wasn't available. Yeah. But Higuma's like, hey, you don't have my sympathy. And ends up killing the kid soon, yep. obviously. So then he just kind of waits on a park bench with his school friend until she wakes up. He's like, yeah, you just like uh, fell asleep here. So I thought, yeah, maybe I should hang out and make sure you were all good. Yep. And she thanks him for a previous time where we talked about it last week. Where that she had flashback, flashback where they're on the, she's on the swing. Yeah. And it definitely implies she got possessed by a demon then as well. Yes. It doesn't outright say it. Yes, it does. Well, it he do flicks it out of her head. Oh, do we see it then? Yeah, the okay. Sudiyama. It's just okay. one of the, the really... Weak demons. The yeah. weak demons, but he flicks out of her head when she's sitting on the swing. Okay, I didn't see that. That's why he was there, was yeah. he noticed she was possessed. I thought it was more subtle than that, but fair enough. That is still the conclusion I drew. And he's like, oh, yeah, weird. Oh, well, see you later. Yep. And it ends with Aya coming up and be like, hey, you hate this, don't you? Not only does she come up to him, she walks up to him and punches him in the stab wound. <laughs> he was like, ow, I got stabbed there. And she's like, why are you doing this? You hate your job, right? Yeah, and I well, he said he didn't have any empathy for the Kitsune. It definitely feels like he did. Yeah, we have a flashback to him and his master being, you sympathize with the demons too much, so what I'm going to do is train your body that even if your heart has doubts, your body will continue to perform. Yeah. So essentially, you'll you'll kill the demon even if you are on the fence about it. Yes, like your body will just act normally. Yes. Yep. Which, honestly, is what training is all about. Yeah, it's what martial arts is anyway. So, yeah, I really like this. Again, I'm liking Higuma more and more as a character. Yeah. And I uh, like finally stepped into the spotlight to, to do something yeah. for a bit, So, which is what I've wanted. Uh, so, next we have Neolation Process 11, Top Speed, which, believe it or not, Kevin wanted to talk about. Yes, so mainly Kevin. because I have a lot to complain about. Like I said at the top, I feel like for a chapter of Neolation, this is actually pretty good. It's it, still not good. No. So Neo is, or Neo and Brother Tao are racing behind the guy, and they're still a little bit behind him, and they notice that his driving style changes. Well, Todd's about to pass him. Yeah, that's right. His driving style changes, and they're like, weird, how is he able to change his driving style? And eventually they figure out that he is using a self-driving car, so he gathered a bunch of race data because they heard that this guy only races this this one mountain pass. So he gathered a bunch of race data from all the racers who have been racing in the mountain pass to perfectly analyze the race so that his car will win all the time. Which is actually an idea I really, really like. I was not upset about this idea. I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, so that's his actual superpower is that every time he races, he gets better because he's only doing this one race and he's just constantly refining that race data to make the perfect lap, essentially. Yes. 
and I really like the reveal. We don't talk about the art a lot in Neolation because we complain so much, but I can't really take anything away from the art. It's, no, the, the, I, we never complain about the art. No, I, I just want to highlight that's because it's pretty good. Yes. And particular here, the reveal of him like sitting cross-armed in his car with his seatbelt on like it's a belt out of Final Fantasy yeah. is actually a really cool like panel reveal. Yeah. Well, and also like there's no steering wheel in front of him and he's just got his hands like on the floor in front of him like, wow, it really is a self-driving car. Yeah. And if the chapter had just been that, I think we both would have been like, yeah, Neolation is pretty good because Neolation has a lot of really good ideas in it. Yep. It just can't leave well enough alone. Nope. Because then Neo has to do something. Neo has to do a hacking. So he hacks Brother's Tau, Brother Tao's car by first he hacks his opponent's car to steal the race data that he's using for his self-driving car to then hack into Brother Tao's car. And that somehow will make him win? Well, it's gonna he's gonna put the self-driving program in the car, but he says, Okay, this will work, but you have to pass him. Like if we pass him and we have this race data, we will be doing the exact same lap as him. So if we are ahead, then we will win. But you have to do the hard part, which is that you have to get ahead of him at some point in the race. Yeah, I just it's really just the, I'm hacking his self-driving car program and make hey, your car a self-driving car. With a, a, I'm going to somehow make your car a self-driving car through magic. <laughs> B, if you could hack into his car, just delete <laughs> the race data so that the dude, cra- like, not necessarily crashes. He doesn't crashes. have a steering wheel. I mean, I guess you don't know that because you haven't seen inside his we, car. We technically <laughs> haven't seen inside his car, but... Just delete his race data so that he can't self-drive his own car. You clearly were able to hack it. Just Anytime Neo does something in this, it's like, oh, hacking wizardry. And it was hacking wizardry that didn't even make sense. Like, they were super far behind this guy, and this guy is doing essentially a perfect lap. So, oh yeah, you just need to do the hard part and get in front of him, and then... They do the classic racer thing of Brother Tao's like, I can need to shift this into the next gear. Like, why weren't you going as fast <laughs> as you possibly could? I mean, that's just uh, because that's what it looks looks cool when you're. I know. I and, know. and also there are on a like windy mountain pass. So I guess it, it was just, just kind of makes it would be a lot of turns. I feel like the the more annoying thing was like, I'm I've been racing with all of my heart, but I now need to race harder. Like. <laughs> What? Why haven't you been driving to the best of your ability beforehand? Like, it would have made more sense if he had hacked the self-driving car to not take the perfect lap so that then they could do something with that. But it's like, oh, no, we hacked his car, but that's essentially inconsequential. You still need to pass this guy somehow, and then we'll just win by magic. Or even with the current setup, it's like, if you find a way to do this track faster than he does, like if you have some trick or something... Yeah, that, you would beat you would beat him anyway. Like I don't like, under- and he would be faster on his next lap because he'd have your data. Yeah, and be able to do that. But he doesn't have it yet. You've never driven this course, so it's not like he. Yeah, I has feel data like from Neo didn't need to hack anything whatsoever. Yeah. I think it would have been cool if because Neo was the one who figured out it was a self driving car, and so he just tells Brother Tao, "You just have to drive better than the perfect lap with the conglomeration of all of the drivers," which was a pretty cool image of like. It was the the main bad guy made out of cars reaching over the mountain pass that they've been driving. Like, he's a conglomeration of all of the racers who drive this road. Yeah, and I, similar to you, I didn't have a, hey, just hack the program out of his car thought. But I was 
Neo talks about how specifically like self-driving cars are actually super hard to make, but that's because they have to take into account traffic and all the different routes and stuff. But if you're just going on the same route every single time and there's only one other car, that's not really a big deal. But like they should just be able to ram him and Yep. That should throw the program off, I feel. Yeah, that's literally all they would need to do. Ram him, get in front of him. Like, he couldn't, if the car's self-driving, it couldn't hit the brakes. Literally just make him hit the brakes in a non-optimal fashion. It would throw everything off. Yeah. And to defend the elation, I do think the premise is very, very good. But I thought it was the sweet. way they react to it is... Is very stupid. Yeah. I, I really wish they had done something other than, I hacked it so that now your car is also has the self-driving program it's like okay but it doesn't have any actuators to make anything move by itself so brother tau is still going to have to race hacking hacking you don't understand kevin hacking even kirito can't do this kind of techno wizardry okay ah so that brings us to a series with thankfully no computers demon slayer kimitsu no yaiba chapter 148 clashing so I didn't write any notes for this because it's kind of just a fight scene. And there's a lot of dialogue that I liked, but also I won't say it went over my head, but you've explained the series to me and I got it because of that. But yep. I don't have the emotional like link to this fight the way someone who has actually read the manga would. So yeah, I did really like this chapter. It wasn't the greatest one of the ones out of this thing or my favorite chapter of Demon Slayer, but this is really cool with just some really interesting looking fight scenes. So can't remember if it's Tanjiro or Taijiro, something like that is using the breath of the, or it's like, it's not breath of fire. It's like the dance of the fire God or something like that. So he gets to use fire attacks. And the thing about demon slayer that made me want to read it every week is the techniques, both the way they looked and the way they're named. Yeah. It's always cool to see them. Yeah. So they, like most of the breath techniques are like first form, second form, and then we have the water pillar, who's the other guy fighting with Tanjiro against this guy, uses the eleventh form, like stillness of water or something like that. I can't remember the exact name, but he basically avoids all of the demons' attacks, and he's like, I didn't think there were eleven forms. The last water pillar that I fought didn't use that, mentioning that these guys are getting the Thunder Breather develop his new form, so they're not just stuck in their ways of, like, this technique is perfect, and I never, once I master it, I will become the Invincible Warrior. They're still pushing themselves for, there are more techniques, there's more things I can learn, I can compound upon this knowledge to become stronger. Yeah. I like the chapter, like I said, I just felt a little detached from it. Yeah, I could see that. One thing, so it does end with... The demon is basically saying, like, I hate weakness. The strong survive, that's the way of the world. And then Tanjiro being like, no, the way of the world is the strong protect the weak. Even you were a little baby who couldn't defend himself. Somebody had to protect even you. Until and, you got strong. Yeah, and so there's this disconnect of his face is not angry at all, at all but his arm is, like, clenching into a fist. Of he, Tanjiro's kind of starting to get to him of it's not just the strongest survive. I became strong so that I could protect those weaker than me. I did not become strong so that I could be the strongest. Yeah. Which leads us to Food Wars Chapter 301, Ice Witch, which is some good Food Wars. Yep. So we cut back, I mean, I guess pick back up with 
everyone talking to Aaron's mom. And before they can like ask her anything more, she kind of starts to collapse. Yep. And Ume from the WGO like puts an IV in her. And she mentions is like, ah, vitamins and electrolytes and all that good stuff that I need. So what's going on is very obvious, but it's going to be explained in a minute. Aaron's mom also has the god tongue, and so she doesn't eat food anymore because it all sucks. Yeah, so she, she basically she survives takes on IV. Her, yeah, she takes most of her food by IV drip because she's basically uh, burned out eating fancy cuisine. And she's like, hey, uh, Takumi, you're going to be the next one out, out of everyone here to face my daughter. She sucks. I don't need her talent. So why don't you team up with your brother and fight her? That'd be yeah. fine by me. Yeah, that'll make it more interesting as long as you take her out. And Takumi's like, no. <laughs> Takumi walks out. Yes. But Furious. even then, Arena's like, well, why don't you bring your brother to fight me? And he's like, no, we're doing this fair one-on-one like we were supposed to. But before that, Ume explains to them that there's like a tension between them because Aaron's mom walked out on her when she was super young. Yep. Which presumably is what led to her dad being able to like kidnap and brainwash her. Yes. And there being no one there to stop him. It's definitely weird that his entire plan was using Arena's god tongue to take over the culinary world when his wife also had the same ability. His presumably estranged wife though. Yeah. Maybe he was gonna use his wife and yeah, maybe maybe he already tried it, and he was like, oh, because she was already a woman, it wasn't going to work, but yeah. now that I have this kid, I can mold her to be the weapon that I need. So anyway, Erina's parents are trying real hard to win that golden gendo for worst parent. Yes. And we then cut to Takumi facing Erina, and of course, he just gets his ass kicked. And uh, even though he's all like, no, I didn't want to bring my brother, I want to challenge you, and we get lots of, not flashbacks, but scenes of the various council members and some of the council members talking about, yeah. And specifically, we see Alice be eating fragrance guy whose name I can never remember. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I have the better score now. And he was like, yeah, for now, you're one point ahead out of the many of matches. And then we cut to the judging event and Arena made food so tasty, the WGO judges passed out. Yes. Like, they can't actually even give a score. Yep. But I guess because this is Food Wars, Arena clearly wins. Well, even Takumi admits defeat because he yeah. tries it. But and then she licks some of the plate and one of the judges kind of wakes up and was like, no, stop that. I wanted to keep eating that. <laughs> and she's like, this is garbage. It wasn't that it was garbage. She was like, this isn't new. I needed to. I need to make a new flavor. Yeah. And so Arena throws her super food in the garbage. Yes. And it ends with Saiba. The bad guy. Yes. They're like, hey, I can make something doing great. Just you wait. Yeah, I'm the I'm the person that you need. Yeah. And she's like, I'm a murderer you. Because I'm a murderer everybody. Yep. Yeah. So Aaron is my favorite. So I liked this chapter a lot. Uh, which brings us to our monthly title for the week, Seraph of the End, Chapter 77, Rescue for the Devil. I feel like I would really like Seraph of the End if it was weekly and I remembered what was going on better between chapters yes it did help that i forgot if i had read chapter 76 or not so i had to reread that and it turned out i hadn't so i think with the monthly titles i might read the one before it and the current one just to get caught up on like oh yeah that's what happened yeah so it's basically two guys who i don't really know who they are talking about whether or not this whole series has been a trap for them 
Yeah. One of them's one of the... Oh, wait. Am I forgetting? I think one of them's the second. The guy in the suit. Like, the traditional businessman suit. Right? Or am I forgetting? Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're right. So, yeah. That guy's the second progenitor. And he has set up the... He's one of the ones who set up the Hakyu Select to take out the Japanese Imperial Demon Army. I think that happened in the last chapter. Okay. Uh, that's the guy with the weird staff that can cut through space. Oh, okay. In this chapter, he's one of the Hakyu Select. I did not think you were talking about the same person, but okay. They're not the same person. It was that guy with the weird staff is part of the Hakyu Select. Yeah, gotcha. so that's why. So they capture you. And inject him with a thing to help him remember what he needs to remember. Yes. But it also knocks him out. Yep. And then they're like, oh, you can't take care of this boy, so we'll take him into custody. And then they're saying, we got both the Seraph and the demon Asumaru Tepes, which is the name of the cruel Tepes is the third progenitor, the one who turned Mika. Gotcha. So they're related somehow. Yeah. And the person who's with you is like, hey, wait a minute, maybe? I don't know what her deal or name is. She's one of his squad mates. That's what I figured. And they're like, oh, you're fine. You can explode. <laughs> and she's like, um, no, thank you. Yeah, they've got those, they're those traditional Japanese, like, ceiling sticker things that gotcha. you see people use sometimes. And just like in, I think they use them in Naruto a lot. So it's like you throw the thing at them and then you can cause it to explode. But she manages to dodge it. But the guy kills everyone else in the room and is like, well, you managed to dodge it, but I don't think they will. Yeah, and then he uses his big scythe to cut a hole in reality. I think his was just a spear. Okay. It looked it like was, a scythe to me. It looked like a spear to me. So he used some giant polearm to cut a hole in reality and escape because she wasn't able to get to him fast enough with you. So then they just go right through the portal and she's like, well, this ain't great. Nope. And meanwhile, it looks like, what's her name? Main, main character girl. I can't think of her name. Shinoa? Shinoa, who just got turned into a vampire. Looks like she's going to kill everybody else. Yeah, because she's yeah. the She didn't just get turned into the a vampire. She's been possessed by the first progenitor. Yeah. So, yeah, lots happened in this. It was a bit confusing, but I feel like in a vol- collected volume, this would be a really good chapter. I really liked it. Again, I happened to have read the chapter previous to this, so I kind of remembered what was it like sparked memories of what was going on. This one also ends with you in his headspace with his demon Ashimaru. Yeah. And him being like, I'm start all right, it's either him or both of them say, I'm starting to remember things. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what's gonna happen with that. Yeah, I assume the next chapter will mostly take place in their heads. Yep. So I do like Seraph at the end. This was just a one that felt oddly disconnected. Yeah. After having not read it for a month. Had you read the one previous to this? Yeah. At I some did. point? Okay. I've been keeping up with the month. I've just been reading the monthlies every, the week they come out. I need to start doing that. I haven't. But like I said, I'm probably going to read the previous monthly to get a feel for what happened in the last month. Because I do agree. It kind of, it's like, oh, it's been a month. And especially with the amount of content I'm consuming. At a time, it's kind of hard to remember exactly what happened. Maybe even with, even with some of the weeklies. Yeah. All right. So that should bring us right into Jump Card.
So Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters for the week from our least favorite to our most favorite. What do you got at the bottom, Kevin? Neolation. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I also have Neolation at the bottom. If we talked about Ruby this week, Neolation wouldn't have been at the bottom. And no, like but I, said, I haven't. I've been trying to avoid that unless you call yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I you make the right choice. Like I said, this is a really good chapter of Neolation, in my opinion. It's got a very good idea in it, but it's still got all the Neolation problems that just make it difficult to enjoy that yes. cool idea. Honestly, if Neo wasn't in the chapter, it would have been awesome. I feel like you can say that for most chapters in Neolation. Yeah, which is bad to say about the main character of, of a series. Like, oh man, if it wasn't for that main character, this would be great. Like, oh, that's it's not a good endorsement. What do you got in number 15? Haikyuu. Hey, me too. Yeah, just kind of boring again. You, I, no, I don't find volleyball fun to watch. Some of the panels are pretty good, which is what put it above Neolation for me. Yeah. Some of the like spikes and blocks and stuff. Well, and the, they're playing games with one another, like, oh, we know that you're good at this thing, so there was the one guy who was like, I know you're going to try and pull a trick, so I'm going to completely ignore you because you're not the threat this guy is or these guys are, so I'm just going to, like he literally says, just keep buzzing around it. It won't do anything to me. I just wish I knew anything about these characters, because I think that's what a lot of makes Haikyuu good, is knowing the characters and the struggle they've gone through. It's not so much the volleyball. It's more about the teamwork. Yeah. And since I don't know this team at all, I don't know any of their teamwork. So it's just guys playing volleyball, and I don't watch that in real life. <laughs> what do you get at number 14? I have Hell's Paradise at number 14, because I still don't really know what's going on. And this was even more confusing, because both of the guys fighting are being consumed by inner demons and are losing themselves in the fight which was kind of a cool concept they're kind of like in a mutually assured destruction fight yeah like the ninja guy is apparently has lost access to his towel so he's using ninja techniques to cause fire which is burning his body and if he uses another like I forget the name of the attack, but it's like this giant flash of flame. It's like, it'll probably kill him, but that's okay. The ninja clans will just send a replacement. I just, as long as I can kill this guy, my death will be worth it. Yeah. And the other guy's sister like runs in and is like, Hey, no, stop. I don't I, like, don't protect me. Don't die protecting the, me. Cause you're the most important thing to me. Yeah. The other guy we cut to like in his head and he's like, not even in the fight anymore. He's like looking into the swirling blackness with a bunch of weird faces in it, like he's literally being controlled by a demon or something like that. Yeah, this went a little higher than me because I thought that emotional stuff worked really well. My number 14 is Jujutsu Kaisen because it's just kind of an anime fight in an anime I don't care about is yep. how I felt about that. Being caught up on it, maybe it's more interesting. I, but I liked it a lot. To me, it was just kind of some shonen manga fighting. I'm That's... That's really what it is. I just Which I is still like it. Yep. pretty good, but this is a very top heavy list for me this week. Yeah. But I thought the emotional stuff in Harold's Paradise worked a little better. I gotcha. So my number thirteen was Act Age, because even though I did like this chapter a lot more than previous chapters of Act Age, like you said, this has been a very top heavy shonen jump. So it just kind of went down near the bottom for me. It's not like, oh, I didn't like this thing. It was just I didn't like it as much as a bunch of the other stuff. My 13 is Hell's Paradise because I did like it a little more, like I said. Yeah. But I didn't super love it. 
all the problems you were talking about are still in there. Yep. So my number 12 is The Last Sayuki because it's uh, chapter one. So really hooked, really interested. But I guess I just, I got really annoyed at the asshole dad. So that drove it down <laughs> a little bit. Like I realized that's part of the whole thing. But just like, man, that guy's such a dick. My number 12 is Sarah for the end. I pretty much talked all about why. It was just like, it felt oddly disconnected, even though like I wanted to engage with it more. And I thought the ideas were good. It's a lot of, it was a lot of, who's this guy and what's his deal again? As it was going on. So my number 11 was Dr. Stone. This was, in this chapter, they made a sonar. Yeah, this was also my number 11. Which was kind of cool. But But it's all, it's just a typical Dr. Stone chapter of, yeah, we're going to make this thing and it's going to help us this way. And the entire chapter is them making a sonar. They start making the sonar, but they're, Senku doesn't say that they're making a sonar. They, he like just starts putting stuff together. He's like, "Oh yeah, we're making." The first thing he does is he makes a a display a screen. Fo- yeah, a display screen with like a photon. It's there's some kind of name for the old tubes, cathode ray tubes, something like that. And eventually they figure out, "Oh, we're making a sonar so that we can go look for this guy in the air, on land, or on sea." Because they make a underwater microphone as well, and they also realize that they can use the underwater microphone to find fish. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting, but not yeah, not anything super cool. Not like, nearly as good as last week. Yeah. the I guess the coolest thing about it was them saying that we basically need to assume that the guy sending this Morse code, because it stopped as soon as Senku replied. replied, so it wasn't just a message that was on loop just going forever that they finally picked up. But they were like, we're just going to assume he's an uh, enemy, because if he's an ally, then we're overprepared. Yeah, and great. Yeah, so it's like, all right, if he's an ally, great. And we're overprepared and we got a new ally. We just have to walk into this assuming he's an enemy and then honestly just hope that we're wrong. Yep. But yeah, number 10. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 10 because I liked it a little bit more than you did. I thought it was pretty cool. The demon plant thing is starting to have fun during the fight, like a typical shonen anime fight, where it's like the villain realizes... It's more fun to do this thing than be villainous, even though I'm fighting the... I guess it's more fun to be the antagonist than the villain. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't do much for me either, which is also part of why it went Yeah, lower. it's not like it went super high on my list either. I just, I thought it was a pretty cool fight. Uh, my number 10 is Black Clover, because it was just kind of typical shonen stuff, and this was, a, like I said, a very top-heavy week. It went above Dr. Stone, because... I just liked it a little bit more. Lots of stuff with Yuno this week. Yeah. And like kind of the plot felt like it was progressing and we got to check in on Noel. So like some cool stuff better than Dr. Stone. Just this is how you make a sonar. Yep. But still in a week this good, not pretty average. So my number nine was Hellwarden because I did really like this chapter and I'm interested to see where it goes. But I just thought some of the stuff above the list was better. Uh, yeah, my number nine is Demon Slayer for similar reasons. The reason it went above Black Clover is I really like that bit about at the end about the strong ruling or versus yeah. the weak. You everyone the, started weak, so yeah, so the strong protect the weak. Yeah, that stuff really put it above, and I really like the art in Demon Slayer as well. So, yep. so my number eight was Seraph of the End because I understood more of what it. I didn't have that disconnect since I had read the previous week's chapter. 
right before this one. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know what's going all on. And this is pretty cool. There's this high select thing. They've got the classic thing of somebody's got the ability to cut through space to teleport people. This is pretty cool. We're seeing you and Ashimaru are starting to remember their memories. So we're going to get more hints into that. All the vampires are being attacked by, or they all got attacked by missiles. So they're going to be late to the party to try and get to the first. So they're going to try and wipe out the entire Imperial, Japanese Imperial Demon Army or whatever the name of that is. So just pretty cool. Yeah, my number eight is Hellward and Higuma. I put it a little higher than you, I think, just because I'm really starting to enjoy Higuma as a character a lot more. And I like this Kitsune villain, so well, I kind of like... You put it one higher than me. Yeah, so. I said a little, didn't I? You might have. It was just, it was like... You you haven't talked about Black Clover or Demon Slayer yet either. So I haven't. It feels like I put it quite a bit higher to than you to me, even though it's one spot. That's like kind of an important spark to me, I think, too, because Demon Slayer was pretty good, I feel like, but I actually really liked Hell Warden and everything above it. That's why it was such a standout week to me. I got you. So my number seven was Demon Slayer, because it's it's not that it's just a fight chapter, but that's basically what it is. So really cool chapter, but it was a really good fight scene. It just didn't have some of the stuff that some of the other chapters did. My number seven was We Never Learn, because it's, I feel like, maybe the weakest chapter of We Never Learn we've read this since we started this podcast. It's not a bad chapter. It's still We Never Learn. It's just very transition-y and a series that's mostly self-contained stuff. And I like the ongoing stories more, the multi-part ones, than I do the just quick shenanigans ones. But this one was very transition-y. I gotcha. My number six was Chainsaw Man. I did really like this chapter and the thing that Denji went through it, so I'm excited to see where this goes. My number six was Act Age, because I really like this as a start to a new story. I feel like if, like, magically we'd started Act Age at this spot instead of where we did, I would be way more into it. Maybe not. Maybe I needed a little bit of context. But I like where this is going. The kind of, like, high school struggles and trying to make friends makes her very relatable. And I kind of like that she's accidentally inserted herself in this other girl's crush. Yep. My number five was We Never Learn. I guess I just like this chapter a bit more than you. I like the little bit at the end with the sister being like, all right, I, I'll, I'll go with you if you give up my sister. And the I honestly think that the teacher was used dad. That might be. That could make sense. I didn't even consider that. But now that you say that, that, that is, does yeah, track. That is my fan theory because we never see his face, even in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh's flashbacks. We never see his, his dad's face. And so I just I keep thinking that that's his dad was that guy. And I'm that's a fan theory, but that's why I like it. My number five was My Hero Academia, because it was a very transition-y setup chapter. I guess Act Age was as well, so it makes sense that I'd throw them together. I really like the ending with Bakugo and Todoroki showing up and be like, we're going to do stuff now. And this new villain is interesting, and it certainly plays to the themes of My Hero Academia with him being kind of a weird legacy villain. Yeah. But it hasn't done anything yet. It was mostly them watching the weather and an advertisement. And I this guess. new guy. Still very good. Like I'm saying, uh, it was just okay, but everything in this was above average. So, yep. So my number four was Food Wars. This was just a really good chapter of Food Wars, just like we talked about. 
Yeah, my number four was Chainsaw Man because this is the Chainsaw Man I want, and so I think I put it a bit higher than that. I yep. really like Makami whenever she's on screen. Yep. And a gun devil versus a chainsaw devil sounds like it should be fun. Yes. My number three was Black Clover. So I like the fact that Asta and Mimosa are sent off by Charmy. That's true. As she's beating him up, like, for the vitamins, for the... Uh, and she says something else that I don't Carbohydrates. Remember. Something like that. And she's like, you two go on ahead while I beat the love of food into this guy. And then right after she does that, we have Noelle fighting the Phoenix chick and is like, man, if only I had Asta's anti-magic sword, I could probably do something. And it was like, we just saw Asta had left his battle. Yeah. And so I was like expecting that. And instead the Green Mantis dude shows up and is like, hey, somebody cool to cut. And Noelle's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And it's just, I liked that little turn of like, oh yeah, Asta's going to show up and nope, he's (laughs) not going to do that at all. He's going to help someone else. And then the cliffhanger at the end with one of the elves might not be an elf. Like they mentioned that, I think his name is Ronnie or something like that. Like, oh, you were, you are always quiet and mumbling. And then he says something. One guy's like, why are you lying? Who are you? And then there's this kind of wicked smile on the guy's face. And then that's where the chapter ends. So I think he might even be a demon because we know demons exist in this world. So, huh. That, that's my thought that this guy isn't an elf or maybe he was he wasn't ronnie he was one of the different elves or somebody who was antagonistic to lick's plans so i'm excited to see where that goes my number three is the last sayuki like we said first chapters are easy to do and i tried to kind of pull it down for that but i still really like the premise and there's something about surrogate little sister stories to me i don't know what it is but they always really really speak to me Gotcha. Even though I've never had any relationship like that in my real life. Like, Persona 4 is a huge tearjerker, and that's a major part of why. I gotcha. that surrogate sister part. So that's something that always speaks to me, and I do like where it's going. I do hope it keeps it up, though, because I could easily see it just kind of becoming mediocre after a few chapters. Yep. So my number two was The Promised Neverland. It was just a super solid chapter of Promised Neverland. I'm excited to see the mind games that... Norman is going to play with this. Did he give his name or do we just he know him did as give Pawn? his name? It is Lord Gielan. So they figured out that he must have been one of the three that's more important. Like there's some demon above the king, apparently, that because he mentions it's that that weird symbol that like we can't translate. Yeah. So he's some version of like he's more important than the king, which is pretty cool. I'm excited to see where that goes. Just really solid Promise Neverland. Yeah, that's my number two as well, for pretty much all the same reasons. Yep. Very good. Promise Neverland, top of its game lately. So my number one was My Hero. Even though this was kind of transition-y, I really like the start of this new story. Honestly, the first thought I had when I saw the new... I don't even know that he's necessarily a villain. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely... Because his main goal is to take out the League of Villains. So well, I don't know if that's to maintain power. Or... We didn't go into it, but there's a big thing about how what his dad wanted was freedom specifically to use quirks however you want. Yeah. Which would lead to... Cha- he was very chaotic. Yes. Whether that's good or neutral or evil, we will find out. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where that goes. But my first thought when seeing him was, oh, hey, look, it's the Monarch. 
visually, yes. I didn't even honestly. You're absolutely right. Now yeah. that you say that, that it didn't read to me. My note was actually Lex Luthor isn't my hero now. That's from a personality standpoint, yes. But from a visual standpoint, minus the eyebrows, it's the monarch. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now I don't know if I can take this guy seriously now. <laughs> now I just want the monarch to be in my hero academia. Oh man, that would be so good. So I'm just interested to see where this goes. And like you said, Bakugo and Todoroki at the end was great. I'm excited to see what this Meta Liberation Army thing is about. I really liked the fact that the chapter title was on the last page. Yeah. not give anything away. That's a cool, like, reveal, and it also makes it feel like a new, cool, important story. Yeah. Like I said, I hope Bakugo and Todoroki get to be main characters for a bit. I mean, they're already basically main characters, but I could use a break from Deku, even though he's my favorite little boy. Yeah. I like these guys a lot, so Same. I would not mind if they got to have the spotlight for a while. My number one was Food Wars, because Aaron is my bae. Yep. And she got to be the main character, even though she's going into like this total Ice Queen mode. I mean, the name of the chapter is Ice Witch, and I like her way more when she's kind of has her guard down and has to be more girlish isn't the right word, but more yeah. normal. Yeah. Um even people are commenting that She's going down a dark path that she's gone down before, and somebody's like, "No, it's even worse than last time." Yeah, like, we need to. I said, I, I, they, I don't think anybody says it, but it's like we need to band together to snap her out of it. This could be really bad. Yeah, and someone's just like, "Yeah, I got face her in the bracket eventually. I'll just cook her out of it." Yep. Although someone not really in this chapter that much. No, but or I really, really like. I honestly, I feel like that might be what happens is that they're trying to figure out a way to get her out of the funk and he cooks her yeah. out of it essentially like taste my food and stop being so silly and trying to defeat your mom like yeah. who cares yeah and like if takumi has to go out and he does i often feel like soma's friends are kind of underserved in this and going out to arena i think is fine yeah that preserves him pretty well especially since he specifically doesn't team up with his brother so i mean he probably would have lost anyway but the question still gets to hang in Well, I mean, air. they've also, in the, was it the last chapter that had, no, it was the one before it, where it's like him and Yukihira have been winning back and forth constantly. Yeah. To show that, like, yeah, they do win. Show It's not just so much just crushing everybody else. Yeah. It's, all right, you won this week, I won the next week, you won the week after that, and we just keep going back and forth because we keep learning through the battles. So it was like, I learned from defeat and beat you, and then you learned from defeat and beat me. Yeah. So yeah, I really like this chapter. But that does it for Shonen Jump this week. Like I said, an excellent, I want to say issue, it's not the right word. But if you've been on the fence about reading some of these along with us, this is a week I'd really recommend you jump on. Super solid. Which brings us to Overlord, right after the break. All right, so we read Overlord this week, specifically the manga adaptation, yes. because obviously we are a manga podcast. And before we get into it, I kind of wanted to go on a rant might be the right word about isekai, so you understand where I'm coming from before we get into it, because it's a genre I really don't like, and I want to talk about one why I 
don't like it and two why I didn't really want to do it for this podcast, but since it is a genre that Kevin likes, obviously we had to do it at some point. Yep. And it's also very popular. But obviously most manga and certainly everything we've read for this podcast is about escapism and about like fantasizing about something, whether that's romance or being a big shonen action hero or whatever. Yep. But with Isekai, like there's one level too much on it for me. I've never really, I mean, I get the fantasy. It's the idea is this thing I'm really good at. That's this obscure small thing, like a video game becomes super important. So all my skills become relevant, but that's just never a fantasy. I've had any connection with. I way, way, way prefer series where somehow that are, I guess more like the last starfighter as a touchstone. Where being really good at this thing suddenly has applications in the real world. I got you. Whether that's an actual real world where like, ah, oh, all these skills I learned being a DM actually are really useful in my job. Or if it's like aliens invade and now because you're good at video games, as dumb as that is, yep. that fantasy tracks a lot better for me. I mean, and I loved Dot Hack Sign and some stuff that's definitely like proto Isekai stuff. But I don't get the obsession with the genre at all. And the reason I didn't want to do it for the podcast is most isekai start out as light novels. And I have nothing really against light novels. They're not my thing, but they're just, I'm not super interested in them. But because of that, most isekai manga is adaptations of something else. Yep. And I'm not, we've already read manga adaptations of things. I'm not against them on the whole. But if I want to give Overlord, which we read this week, the benefit of the doubt, I think it's a really bad adaptation because it feels like it's not just an adaptation of that light novel, but an adaptation of the anime, which uh, is all... Believe it or not, it's not. The anime okay. came out afterwards. Okay, but... I, I agree with you. This was a this was easily the worst of the three adaptations, and I was not a fan of it, even being a fan of the series that it's adapting. Just like with Ruby, I like the anime, don't like the manga. And I've never watched Overlord because I've everything I've seen is like, oh, that's not for me. So maybe the anime is good and maybe the light novel is good. I don't read night light novels. so And certainly this wouldn't be the series that made me say, oh, I should give them a try. But the art in this was really inconsistent. They're just throwing all sorts of characters at you way too quickly. Yep. And the premise is just and like the character. I just have no sympathy for him at all. And I don't know if that's adaptation or the original work, or if it's just that there's only four chapters in this, which they call episodes. And that's a big reason why I thought this might be based on the anime. No, I did the same thing because that was my first thought, too, was like, oh, is this an adaptation of the anime? And it's nope. The It was the light novel, then the anime, then a couple years later, or a light novel, then the manga, then a couple years later, the anime started premiering. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just... This does absolutely nothing for me. I feel like the pacing is bad. The characters do li very little for me. It's already a genre that's not to my taste. So yep. I just feel like this is a bad work in that genre on top of it being a genre I don't particularly like. So are you an Overlord fan, Kevin? Or did you just pick it because you wanted to start with some base Isekai? No, I'm a, I'm a big Overlord fan. Honestly, if we were going to start with base isekai, it'd probably be something more like sword art, which is usually what people think of when they... Yeah, sword art's weird because it's, it's not actually isekai, I would say, but it is it is a half step ahead of it. Yep. It, it's like saying that 
Well, I, I can't actually think of a good analogy, but I just that's uh, that's just what people think of when they think of it. But like Jeremy said, I am a big fan of Isekai. I do really like Overlord. So really like the anime. It got me into reading light novels. And I still really like the light novels, too. And like you said, the pacing was bad. The characters didn't really have enough screen time and you couldn't sympathize with the main character. And I feel That's like- because oh. they're in the light novel and the anime, they spend more time on those things. In the manga, they just kind of blow past them. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. It feels like it would be difficult to give each of these characters their own episode up front that, with the that, timing. That definitely doesn't happen. That happens later on. They start to focus more on the... So there's the the eight four guardians or whatever. Yeah. The first couple of episodes really focus on Albedo and Momonga. So that the makes main sense. character. And the other characters, like, they're kind of there. And it's kind of a, we'll flush them out later. And that's really what happens. But it's really about them in the beginning. And a bunch of the stuff that happens that makes me like the characters doesn't happen in the manga. Like, it eventually happens at one point that Momonga remarks upon the fact that, oh, I guess since I'm an undead, I don't care about people dying. But even early on in the anime and in the light novel, he talks about when he first transfers over that he starts noticing that his emotions are being repressed and he so he's like i'm freaking out why aren't i freaking out as bad as i should be like i should be terrified and so he starts warring with the fact that it's not just the fact that he's in some elder lich's body it's that he actually starts thinking like an elder lich and that comes through in a lot of the stuff that he deals with of i'm now no longer human i i like my body almost forces me to stop thinking like a human so in the light novel and the anime, he kind of struggles with the fact that there's times where he wants to save humans because he used to be human, but then all of the other monsters see them as bugs that shouldn't be dealt with. And so there's a lot of cool dichotomy between that that just completely grazed by in the manga. And you get a little bit of it in the manga, but certainly it doesn't feel like a big crisis. Like you describing it that, that to me actually makes it interesting. It reminds me a lot of a thing I think about not a lot but a thing to think about is like if i uploaded my brain to a robot would that still be me because a robot doesn't get hungry presumably a robot doesn't get horny like a that's ro- exactly that like he has those thoughts like i don't eat i don't sleep i don't feel sexual desire so that whole thing with albedo like she's super into him and he like doesn't care and he starts like wait why don't i care why all of this conflicting stuff and so it's Something that I really liked about the show, again, I liked the setting. I think it's pretty cool. So before we get... Yeah, should we just get into the base premise? Let's get into the base premise, yeah. So this guy, do we find out his real name? Is his real no. name Momonga? Okay, so Momonga Momo- is his character's name. Yep, Momonga is his character's name. He plays this dive MMO, which is basically just a VR MMO. But oh. it, it's a bit more than that. You, It's like Sword Art. You insert your consciousness into the game. So it's not just... Wearing a VR headset. Okay, they don't explain that well in the manga. I can believe that. It uh, did seem Sword like Art, he felt... Sword Art Online is listed as a dive MMO. Okay. Like, in-universe, so it's the same thing. So, it's called Yggdrasil. It was super, super popular 12 years ago, basically just because of a huge amount of customization. There are, I think, like 200 character classes, and you can also and you can be max level, I think, of 100, but you can only get 15 levels per class. Yeah, so, so characters are very rarely... 
the similar same, in ability. Yeah, and people had different preferences. Um, like this is another thing that both the light novel and even the anime to an extent go into that there were certain classes that were more role playing than yeah, like combat. baker. Not not necessarily baker, but like uh, specifically, they talk about Momonga's elder lich thing isn't the best from like a combat standpoint, like a PvP standpoint, him picking that. It was more like a role-playing thing. It gave him some abilities that seem that weren't all that useful in the game. So that was just like, uh, even in this, he talks about the remote mirror or whatever. Like there are certain things in the game that were seen as kind of silly because it was a game, but because it's uh, real life, he's like, oh, this is actually pretty useful. Yeah, so anyway, it's the last day of the MMO. It's shutting down. The other important thing is there's a ton of, like, custom item and character creation stuff. There was basically a character development dev kit that you were able to buy. So you could just literally customize, like, literally design what your character looked like. So nobody looked the same. You weren't picking, like, between 16... Oh, there's 16 heads and 12 hairstyles. Like, you could literally design like design your character from the ground up and you were able to do that with basically everything which was one of the reasons it got so popular was because there was so much customization you could make it feel more you which makes sense so he was the guild leader of a guild called Einzau Ghoul, which is one of the top 10 guilds when you read about all their accomplishments it's amazing they're not just number one with a bullet but they were a top 10 guild they all played monster characters basically and they were all adults with jobs that played in their free time yep so he's kind of the only one left one of the other guys pops in because it's the last day but he's only there for a couple minutes because he has work the next day yeah and he was like i had to change jobs in real life so i haven't been able to keep it up and momonga's kind of sad about it but he realizes that all of his friends had real lives to go back to so they all kind of just drifted away from the game yeah, so it's like the last hour of the server being up, and he wants to stay on until it actually shuts down. So he gets together all the NPCs they created, which are like guards for the different levels of their bases. Yep. And they all gave them like super intricate personalities. I guess Momonga didn't make any. Uh, he he did. It shows up way later. It won't okay. even. But he did make somebody. It's actually hilarious when he shows up. But he he was one of the guys who made one of the NPCs. He's just not there. Gotcha. And he's, like, reading through everyone's backstories, like, oh, my God, they're so long. And they, I guess the 10th level is guarded by a bunch of combat maids. Yep. So he, like, changes the bio on one, so he, she's in love with him. She wasn't like just joke. one of the combat maids. She's the she, leader. She's not actually, Sebus is the leader oh. of the combat maids. Okay. Albedo is the master of the all of the floor guardians. Like, oh, she's essentially okay. the top NPC in the entire guild. Like, she is the master of literally everyone else besides any of the actual guild members. Okay. I guess that makes sense. So he gathers them all so he won't feel alone, like, in the guild hall. Yep. And then, for some reason, instead of the server shutting down, like, he becomes his character? Yes. And, again, this is a thing where the art is really bad. Like, he's kind of waving his hand and, like, figuring it out, but the art is a really bad at showing why he's doing that. Like, yeah. I had to reread it a couple times before I figured out, oh, that's when the changeover happened? Yeah, both the anime and the manga. Um, like, the anime, so he's got the HUD up, and he's, like, looking at the clock, and then right as it strikes midnight, the HUD vanishes, and he's like, what? What? Why am I still here? And he's so he's trying to click the menu 
which he mentions even in this, like, huh, I can't bring the menu up. And everyone starts acting weird, but there was at least that visual thing of he's looking at clearly what's a an MMO HUD, and it just vanishes. And he's like, now, wait, what, what happened? Did the devs screw, did they delay the, the servers closing? Did somebody make a mistake? Can't believe somebody would have made a mistake. It's the last day of Yggdrasil. This was such a big deal. Yeah, and then all the NPCs start coming to life, basically, and acting like people. Yep. And it's kind of a Wizard of Oz thing where he starts to realize they're all kind of acting like the people who made them. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the things, so in the anime and the light novel, he starts freaking out about it because it's essentially like, all right, so I've got, it's like if my, not animated wallpapers, but if I had a bunch of robots that suddenly started acting like humans, even though they've been robots for the longest time, like he starts flipping out about it. But that's when he first notices that he's like, oh, my emotions are getting suppressed. This is weird. But yeah. that doesn't come across in the manga at all because they don't mention it. Yeah, he just kind of observes. And then he like gathers them all and is like, okay, now exposit how you all feel about me. Yeah. Which is like just super boring. And like I said, he comes off as like not really having a personality. And then we cut to this village being attacked by a bunch of knights. And there's a little bit of the stuff Kevin was talking about, about him being like, huh, I don't care about this at all. That's weird. But then he just goes to save them anyway. Yep. So one of the things is that he's noticed he hasn't just been transformed into his character and sent into the game. His entire tomb, because that's the base. Yep, their base is like the tomb of Nats or something. Nazarick. Nazarick. It's been transported, but like it's not in the game world where it was. Like, in the game world, it's, like, in this bog. Yep. It's this, like, villain layer, basically. But here it's just in a meadow. It's not... Basically, it's, like, a... It's on a plain. Like, a, a grassy plain. Like, there's some hills around. And, and he's it, like, this doesn't look like the world that I'm from. So, what happened? And even the NPCs are like, this is weird. This is not where we're supposed, supposed to, be. to be. Yep. Yeah, which is a weird, interesting hook that makes it a little different than Isekai because he's not just transported into the MMO. But like I said, it's not explored here, so it doesn't really do much for me. And this volume pretty much ends with him going and uh, attacking these knights. He meets this knight who wants to protect the village and kind of helps him. And again, I can see this in the source material being done way better. Uh, It's done so so much better. But here, the knight's just like, I am a good guy. And Momonga's like, I like you, and I'm going to save you, even though I'm going to pretend I'm not. Yeah, so this is a little bit of, again, that's him struggling with his humanity versus him being an undead monster. So he's like, I want to save this guy because he seems cool, coming at it from, like, if he was his human self, but then his undead side is like, well, I don't, this guy doesn't work for me, so why do I care if he dies? Yeah. And then, like, the end is just him being really Superman and being like, Ah, uh, you guys can't touch me. I'm a level 100 character, and apparently the people here are like the equivalent of level 15-ish characters. Yeah. Like, their most powerful magic are things I wouldn't even bother using. Yep. Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much what a lot of Overlord is. The people from Nazarick are super overpowered compared to everybody else. So generally, battle isn't the... They generally don't try and make battle the tension anywhere that the Nazarick people are involved. And maybe it's just because it's the first one, but it feels like they spend so long on this battle for it being such a curb stomp. Like, I'm a person who loves Superman to death. 
Yeah. But this just felt like what other people are talking about when they talk about Superman being boring. Yeah. Was exactly this. And I'm like, man, if everyone else thinks Superman's like that, no wonder they don't like him. I definitely, I really didn't like this version of that fight in the anime. It's not an entire episode devoted to this. Yeah, in the anime, this. it's got to be five minutes at most, I feel like. And maybe something like eight. Okay. Because uh, there, there's a bit more with, so the guy that, the knight captain, Gazef, there's a bit of him fighting, and something that the manga just horribly ruined is, so Gazef is the greatest champion, like the greatest fighter in the country that he's from. Sure. You don't see it in this at all. You see him like just naming techniques off, like sixfold slash of light, which is actually this super cool move that he uses in the anime or in the light novel to cut down six of those angels at once. Like, and it looks sweet. In this, it's just a picture of him holding the sword and a speech bubble, not a speech bubble, but a bubble saying sixfold slash of light. And then he does some other stuff. And it's like, what you're supposed to see is that he takes out a bunch of the angels by himself, essentially. And then they summon a bigger angel and he can't defeat that. And that's when Momonga jumps in. And the thing that I liked in the anime and the light novel that this didn't, this had a little bit of it, but he's starting to prep for, he's coming at this like it's a video game fight. So he's like, all right, I got to be prepared for all of this stuff. I've got to, oh, that guy's got a summoning crystal. He can probably summon this horrible monster i need to be ready to fight it and then it's like oh yeah summon this level 20 monster really i was worried about you for nothing like i i got all prepared to have this epic battle and you're throwing rocks at me yeah i mean this like i said even reading it even not liking the genre it felt like a bad adaptation to me yeah but like yeah i have I'm not going to run to the anime or the light novel after this. I wasn't going to before. It's not like it poisoned me on it, but yeah. I absolutely can't recommend this. I don't think we're going to come back to this manga. No. And this is the first manga I felt like I have no interest in returning to this. Listen, I'm an Overlord fan, it. and I'm not going to come back to this manga because I don't want to ruin more of the stuff that I like about it. Like a bunch of the stuff that was going on, the only reason I knew what was happening was because I had I knew what happened. I felt like a lot of the art was very, like I said, with the six-fold slash of light, like you just see a very blurry picture of Gazef in like this tiny little panel with these speech bubbles, and it's like you have no idea what he's doing. The art is good, I think, from a draftsman point of view, but it's terrible at conveying story. Yes. This is not good comic book art. No. And I didn't mean to say that like I couldn't follow... Yeah. No, I, I'm just trying yeah. to emphasize what's bad about it. Yep. Like, the dude looks like a cool skeleton dude, but yeah, and there's he's just kind of standing there being a skeleton dude. And there's some great moments of him being uh, more of a chibi skeleton dude when they're trying to convey humor. And I was like, I like that. But again, if I didn't know what was going on, I wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah, it's all very stiff. Yes. There's very little motion to it. Do you have any other final thoughts on this? No, like you said, we're not going to come back to this. If the premise at least interests you, I would recommend either seeing the anime or reading the light novels if you're interested. At this point, the light novels and the anime are at the same point in the story, but there's more to go. They're still making, the author's still writing the light novels, and presumably they're going to keep making the anime because it's already on, it just finished its third season a little while ago. So it's a story and a setting 
that I really like. I just did not like this adaptation and just can't condone it at all. All right, so that brings us to personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment of the show where we rank manga characters from best to worst. The best manga character that we've encountered so far is Izuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia. I'm sorry I said I didn't want you in this arc. Uh, the bottom one is Haruhi Fujioka from Oren High School Host Club. And in the middle, we have Anise Murphy from Cypher. So I feel honestly like we've talked about anime adaptation stuff with most of the characters that have anime adaptations. Yep. And so I think we should talk about Momonga a little bit in his capacity outside of the manga. But if we're just talking about manga Momonga, I feel like he's inarguably the bottom of the list. Yeah, he's a wet noodle in the manga. And I really, that's that's one of the reasons you really didn't like this. And that's honestly one of the things that I like about this character. So from both the light novel and the anime, he's got a lot more depth to him. He's got that struggle with... So one of the big things is he's now suddenly the head of a giant guild that wasn't so like you said with Hisekai, oh, this thing that I'm good at suddenly becomes relevant somewhere else. He's now forced into a situation where he's not good at the thing that he's now doing. He has no leadership skills. He wasn't like a project lead. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have any friends. He's not good at socializing. So he spends a lot of his time worried about how his subordinates feel about him which is one of the reasons why he asks them how they feel about him. But in the, he thinks about it more. He doesn't just say, what, how do you feel about me? Like he constantly has this internal monologue of these guys are so powerful. They'll overthrow me. They'll look down on me if I'm not being the perfect being that they think that I am, but I'm not, I'm just some regular dude who's suddenly been thrust into this power station. And Everything that I do, people keep attributing to me being wise and it being part of my plan when it's all dumb luck. Okay, so I guess the real question I have is, do we want to put him at the bottom and just maybe put an asterisk of this being specifically the manga version? Or do you want to ha- try to argue him up? No, I'm, I'm honestly fine leaving him at the bottom. And I'll just put a little side note that it's the manga version and that I would put, at least I would rank the regular character much higher because I really do like him. And it's not quite a One Punch Man thing where they don't focus on the main character too much, but I like a lot of the other characters in this too. I mean, it's pretty much set up like a harem anime, I was going to say, except for that they're not all female characters or characters he's really sexually interested in. But it's got that same sort of kind of setup where he's the centerpiece character and has a lot of different personalities orbiting him. Yeah, but... They focus, it's not just the fact that he's blank. In the manga, he comes off as blank and being a wet noodle. But in the anime, it's a lot more focused on him and him being basically thrust into the leadership thing with all of these powerful personalities around him and him trying to struggle with, I need to look cool. I need to be a great leader. I need to do all this stuff right. But I can't ever ask for help because they think that I don't need help. So I have to trick my subordinates into giving me help or in tons of situations they're like, wow, you have so much foresight. He was like, it was all just luck that this happened to happen. All right. So that pretty much does it for Overlord. Next week, the episode comes out on my birthday. 
Yay. And after this, I want a treat for my birthday. So I promised Kevin we could have a whole isekai month because I bully him into reading it what I want most of the time. So we're going to read some isekai, but we're going to read that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha because that might be the only isekai I'm actually interested in. I'm hoping the other two titles beside that in the month you'll be a little bit more interested it's in. hard to imagine they'll be worse, unless they're both very bad manga adaptations. Which, like I said earlier, the real reason I didn't want to read Isekai for this podcast isn't that I don't like it. That's also true. That's also why I wouldn't have picked it. But it's more that I feel like they're all adaptations of light novels. And I want to read adaptations on this. I can't wait to read Pokemon Adventure. It's one of my favorite mangas. So I can't say, no, we're not doing any adaptations. But I feel like in a lot of a lot of the time, these are going to be cheap cash in manga. Yeah, that aren't as high quality as their um, like source material, which is already not my thing. Yeah, well, and honestly, looking at it, I don't know that there are any. Is the guy that started as manga that started as manga? I can't think of any. There might be some. There might be some, but I went through looking. I read. It's actually one of the genres that I really like. So. Even though Jeremy says he's bullying me into reading a bunch of stuff, I have a lot more broad tastes and can just kind of roll with the flow. For At least from a genre perspective, I'm much less likely to go, I don't like this genre, I don't like this one. I'm more likely to pick out, well, I don't like that thing. And it's not because it's an isekai or a romance or whatever. It's because I didn't like these things about it and I'm willing. It's not that you're not willing to give more things a shot, but I do hope you like and I like the other ones as well, because this will be the first time that I've read the manga adaptations of all of these. And there's one thing we're reading this month that I think I would love the anime from what I've heard, and I've been meaning to give it a shot. I just haven't got around to it yet. So there's a chance. I just personally think even if the source material for that's good, the manga might be bad. It might be. I'm I'm hoping that it's not. I'm hoping that it's a much better adaptation and you like it better, but they might go this way, and it ends up being the worst adaptation out of the three, because the, besides that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha, the other two that we're reading this month also started out as light novels. Then I don't know if they got the manga adaptation first or second, but they also have anime adaptations that I both like the anime and the light novels of, so we'll see how this goes. I mean, that was true for Overlord, though, too, right? I mean, that's yeah. what you got you into this. So Yeah, the anime adaptation was what got me into this genre, and then I started reading light novels. So Overlord was the anime that got me reading light novels, and then I started picking more of these isekai light novels because they're one of the... They're kind of the hot ticket right now in Japan for a genre. So there's a lot of really good ones out there if you like the genre. So if you like our podcast, our website is www.lastpodcast.com. You can check out the personality power level list as well as leave comments. If you have some isekai you like, if you want to yell at me or agree with me, you can do so there. There's also a link to our Discord, which is the best way to talk to us. You can also find my other two podcasts there, Last Time on Video Games, which is a weekly video game show. The episode, actually, last week's episode is still going to be the one that's up, which what was on? Man, I can't even remember. It must have been so good. Now that I do this podcast only every other week, it's a lot fuzzier in my Payne? head. It was Max Payne. If you want to make me... I do some pretty good jokes in that one, I think. So that's pretty good. You can also check out It's a Gundam, our weekly Gundam Seed podcast. We're almost... Kevin's going to be on it in a couple weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. that's, I think that's probably the worst episode of our show. But 
Not because you're there, but no, you, it, you remember that one. Yes. It was not great. But that podcast is normally very good, so I suggest you check it out. That's the one I'm actually proudest of. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating or review wherever you listen to us, or just tell a friend. Our opening song is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug? Not this week. All right. We'll see you next week with some Yamcha Times. Stop.